Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Andrew Krause. I co-founded InventRight with that dude, handsome dude over there on the left. And I'm <laughs> over there on the left too. And uh, we have been coaching and mentoring inventors for the last 20, going on 21 years now. We've had students in over 65 countries. Uh, last month alone, I think we had 11 students licensed products. And we've been doing this webinar series during the pandemic to try, try to help and provide education to independent inventors. We also have an incredible YouTube show, which is also free. And so on this series, we're inviting different people on. We're inviting a lot of companies on, which is really cool. And tonight, we have Philip Elliott. He's with Creative Brainworks. And one of our InventRight students, Corey Wilcox, licensed the product to him. And so if you have a toy or game idea, or maybe you don't, but you just want to listen, you're going to learn something about licensing. Maybe you decide you want to start getting into toys and games. So welcome, welcome, Philip. Uh, Andrew, it's great to be here. All right, great to be back, actually. Stephen, well, you interviewed Philip as well before, haven't you? Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Philip, we've, we've talked a, a few times, I interviewed you, and I'm sure you, you received quite a few submissions, didn't you? Yeah, uh, based upon that, we received a large amount of submissions. And, you know, I appreciate everyone sending me their ideas. You know, it's been, it's been uh, tasking and challenging at times, looking through many. And, you know, unfortunately, not everyone got responses, but um, I tried to respond to many. And then we've actually been able to identify new items in, from inventors that we're um, progressing forward on. Nice to hear. Well, this is exciting, and thank you very much for coming on and helping us inventors do a better job and submit great, great toy ideas to you. So, Andrew, let's go to the first slide, please. Yeah, once again, Philip, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your company, if you would, please. Well, I'm a Creative Brainworks as a company that. Uh, my uh, co-founder and uh, really the inventor of beanbag buckets um, started. And, you know, at the end of the day before that, I was have, re have 20 years of retail experience, a senior executive uh, in the toy industry, um, various industries from home goods and so on. And after I left the retail, I really was helping various inventors bring products to market. And then when I saw Anthony's idea, I thought it was uh, so remarkable, such a great new concept and fresh um, to the outdoor gaming industry. Um, that's when we started to bring it to market. And then all of a sudden we joined uh, as partners and launched that item. And from there, we're bringing more items to product and actually working with more and more people uh, to license their ideas and concepts to bring them to market as well and bring those products to life because I think there's a lot of ideas out there and you probably see it every day, Stephen and Andrew, with your inventors that um, just need a little uh, help to bring their products to market. And that's what we're really focused on right now. Wonderful. Andrew, where, do you, where do you sell your products? Um, well, we sell our products from in the outdoor uh, in the sporting goods category, sporting goods stores nationally, um, we uh, sell. We're working on uh, mass outlets, mass discount retailers, and department stores, independent retailers, uh, online, you know, specialty um, education. Right now, we're actually we're developing relationships to sell in Canada and actually Australia. So we, uh, you know, from starting a company in 20s really launching our first product in 2017, we'll be international in 2021. Cool. Very nice. Yeah, um, looks like you won an award here with this. Well, we won, and we did. We won an award, um, the parent, war, uh, the Napa award, and it was actually for um, our larger game, um, which is being bag buckets. Um, that's the Anthony's game. Um, and so that was a, a nice award. This is the parents award and the, the NAP award is a very special um, achievement because they're looking for kids value, entertainment, play, um, durability. Um, so it was, a, it was a nice little recognition and we're actually up for that award with Corey's item. 
um, for this fall. Congratulations. Yeah. So you want me to show that Corey has, let me see, is, is, you're, talk, you're talking about Rotobrain, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Let me show that one first here. So tell us about that. The, Corey's a, a former InventRight student. Um, uh, you tell us a little bit about the product. So this is a 3D memory sphere puzzle. And if you think about it, and as you look at this and you go, wow, it kind of looks like uh, a cube out there that I'm familiar with. Well, the colors do pop like that. Um, but outside of that, this is, this is, I would call this generation's type of uh, three-dimensional puzzle. Um, there's three levels of fun and combination. What you do is you think about it, it's a combination lock meets um, Rubik's Cube, to be pretty clearly. And uh, you know, if I could sh demonstrate it, because it's uh, we have a lot of videos out there um, on our website, on the Rotobrain website, um, it walks through um, how to play the game. You can actually take the game, you can actually take this puzzle apart and reset the codes. So you mm -hmm. think about this: you have three three levels. The first level is 729 possibilities of combinations to figure out the right ones to solve. The second level, which is the middle color, is has over 6,000 possibilities. And then the top level has 560,000 possibilities. All right, so as you work to solve this, you can see on the picture that, see that little uh, at the top, there's a little dimple at the top on that black cap yes. on the image. You see that in the brain? Okay, yeah. that's a little piston, and every time you solve each level, it'll pop up and signify that you solve that level. So once you solve all of this, which it's fairly complex to solve, you think, okay, is the, I'm done with the puzzle. I solved the combination. That's it. No, that's not it. You can actually un take the bottom apart, take these pieces apart, reset the combination randomly, put it back together, and you have a whole other challenging puzzle to solve. Hmm. So it's nearly a never-ending puzzle to solve. Well, now, let me ask you this. When Corey came to you, did the product look like this? No, no, no. So Corey had Corey had the vision, right? So he had a puzzle, and it'll be up on our website soon. We have the original concept, which I think is phenomenal. It has, it has the colors. You know, it's probably 30% um, size of what this is. And we were working, you know, it's – he had he had the idea and the thought and from the idea the thought and the concept of what the product is you know we had to take our know-how and work with some designers work with some engineers because we knew what the concept should be and working with corey we just had to filter out some of the nuances to get it to the level of where it is today well, that's very encouraging because what, what you're saying is he came to you with the concept and you helped uh, finish out the project and develop and engineer the product because a lot of inventors, they're, they're not engineers, they're creative people. So that's that's very encouraging. So can you talk a little bit about that? Are you willing to work with people that don't have every little detail worked out but have the general concept? Uh, that is for sure. Um, the, the key part of it is is the vision of the product and the audience so let's say uh an inventor has an item and it could be the next greatest you know next greatest game but that game could be focused it's so focused uh, that only people from uh, let's say a, a very small state that are that that would only appreciate this game and next thing you know, it's focused at ages four to five. And all of a sudden, it's so finite. What I'm trying to get as the customer base is so finite, it makes it challenging to bring an item to life because of costs and, and the strategies behind it. But if the vision is broad enough where it hits a lot of the checkboxes, where it has a broad appeal to people, like you look at a lot of, you look at our games that we bring to life from now this Rotobrain. Everybody can play this. You know, we say, I, I believe we, we say six and up, 
but someone younger can play and enjoy this and someone 99 years old could play this you know because of memory and cognitive skills and development so there's a broad pool of people that could really enjoy this game think about beanbag buckets a lot of you know we focus on let's call it the the college age kid for that concept but at the end of the day we have we have the game selling um for preschool gym programs and we have them in nursing homes broad appeal great concept same thing with the games that we bring to life the products we look at that's how i think through the process because as, as you both know the expenses behind developing product engineering if it needs to be engineering um are very high and so we have to make sure that it hits the right level of audiences um, to be able to do that. Does hey, that Philip, I've got, a, I've got a question here. So what did he show you to demonstrate this concept? Was it a drawing? Was it a description? A well, 3D he model? actually went out there and he worked with some people and had this concept. It was actually, it's a plastic sample. So he had some people work on this and come up with this little sample and he had a little video um and he had some drawings and then he sent me the sample because once i saw it i knew this category three-dimensional puzzles there's a lot of gray space there what i mean by that is you have your rubik's cube that's you know nothing will you know nothing's touched that item it's it's the pinnacle it's the top item then you have a lot of other little um three-dimensional brain teaser type games but there's open market there for a great new item because people that love brain teaser games they are all in they want to find that next cool great item and that's what this is this is i believe it's this generational's type 3d puzzle that's really going to make an impact it's just on us to market it and get the awareness out there nice now um there's another product here that i see corey did can you tell us about this one yeah, so this one, actually, so it was funny. So when Corey reached out to me, I think it was about two years ago, he um, said he had a lot of ideas. And so he sent me a, a large number of items. And this was one of them I saw. Is when I saw it, you see the finger shooters, right? So that's, um, that's he had that and he had a little bit smaller pellets. And he was, you know, and he, and he had a little pouch. And I was like, this is a, this is a fun basic item. You know, this is again part of our nonstop kind of on-the-go gaming. And so I said, this is an item that we can quickly bring to market. So we saw, I saw this one and the Rotobrain really at the same time. But I knew Rotobrain, you know, it took us about a year to bring to market. Now sometimes that's how long it takes if it needs the right development and engineering. Where this one, this one took about. I think it was about four months to bring the market back because we had to have a, a mold built for this, um, the rubber band shooter. But then we also did was we added cans and we changed the balls to make it a great value gameplay. Can you talk a little bit about that? You said four months it, with different products. It can vary, but I mean, an inventor is not going to license a product to you and it's going to hit the shelves two weeks later. Can you talk about that timeline a little bit? Maybe a, a range from easiest well, project I, say four months, I mean four i don't mean four months where it was in retail i mean four months right. to have the product developed That's right I mean. right so can you talk about uh time to to retail then i think it's important that inventors are realistic there and understand what the company is going through to make that happen sure well really what it is is it's a cycle so let's say i have this rotobrain product ready and fully developed well it, it all it's all a matter of timing because the re, the the larger big box retailers and um, department stores they're planning a year out so you know some you might catch some that are six months nine months out but the larger big box retailers they're planning a year out so if you don't hit their cycle for product reviews and meeting with the buyers and walking through your items um you miss that cycle so it's a matter it could you know it could take up to 18 months before you see product on the shelf and that's and that's a good product you know it's a top-notch product to hit the shelf now you it's a much shorter time frame for independent retailers because those are 
you know, those are merchants that store owners that have their stores. And if they see something they like, you know, they could react to it pretty quickly because, you know, they own their store. They're making their decisions with their own monies. Um, but for larger placed orders, um, that's how long it takes. So are there any trends that you, you would like to discuss, trends you're seeing, maybe what you're looking for, trends in the toy and game industry that inventors should be aware of? Um, what I would say is if you look in the market and you, a great place to look at trends and what, what you're seeing out there is if you look at the toy catalogs, right? And what I mean by that is if you look at the toy catalogs from, in, from, and they're all, they're all online right now, the, the Toys R Us, not Toys R Us, the Targets, the Walmarts, the Amazons where they feature, these are the featured toys. Um, What's interesting to see is um, a lot of family type games, a lot of um, products that create lasting memories, cognitive development products. That's what you're seeing right now. I'll tell you the outdoor game business this year has been off the charts. And that's because of um, really the COVID shutdown. People are spending more time with their families Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephen, we have one student he's licensed between six and eight outdoor games. Um, he's doing pretty well right now. You still there, Stephen? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we have, uh, so Philip was mentioning outdoor games are really hot. We have one student, I think he's licensed between six and eight outdoor games auto. And uh, so that we we found that to be true as well. It's a great category. Is there it's any a, categories that you wouldn't get into now because of COVID or not? You know, they're uh, all I wouldn't good. say because of COVID. I'd just say there's some challenging categories out there that, that make it tough. Um, you know, the board game category, it's a very challenging category. There's a lot of fun board games out there, but it makes it tough to break through that market in any, any special way. Um, card games make it easier because the cost and the spend, but board games are tough. Um, the dial market is tough. If you look at, again, I'm just thinking of the toy industry. Is um, it just me or do, do card games seem to be really hot right now? Well, I'd say card games, if you, if you catch the right energy, um, they, they do well. But again, that's the, that's the bonding and the family, family energies that are out there. And I've always, you know, I have a background because I was a game buyer for Kmart years ago that the game games bring people together and cre create lasting memories. Think about, you know, everyone on this call could think about their childhoods and you think about the board games and how it brought them to brought those families together. And at the end, at the end of the day, they probably still have some of those board games. Um, whereas a toy, you know, sometimes, you know, we think the the hottest toy of the year, well, I'm going to buy it for my child. And the next thing you know, they played with it for what, five or 10 minutes, but a board game or a type of puzzle, you know, this three-dimensional puzzle, it lasts a lifetime. That's why, the, you know, if you look at what happened with, I think Spin Master just purchased um, the rights to Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube is the number one toy item brand um, in its lifetime, right? It's what, sold 450 million units, something like that, which is phenomenal. And so, again, it's about building those type of memories. And that's the type of products we really look for. It's something that connects with people, um, challenges them, brings them together, and creates memories. How about you specifically? What types of products are you looking for right now? Well, I would say that's what I kind of just hit on. I kind of jumped the gun a little bit. But I'd say we're looking for unique, fun products that have um, that bring a lot of that appeal to a, a large group of people, mm -hmm. um, and I would say, like, give you an example with um, Beanbag Buckets, that game. People see that game and they gravitate to it, and they take ownership of the game. 
Um, that's that's blitz game. That's not our buckets game. That's the smaller version. But this can right. be a similar type game, right? So they they take ownership of the game. And what I mean by that is when they see the game, they start coming up with their own ways to play it. And they come, they name it, they call it, they have it their own rules, and that's taking ownership of a product. Um, you think about playing uh, from Monopoly to Uno, people have their own rules, right? You have kind of house rules and how they play that, play that game. That's how you take ownership of products. If you can come across products like that, that's phenomenal. But you know what, there's, you know, there's a product from, I believe one of, I don't know, they're one of your students or people that you've influenced that is uh, an impulse item that's fun, unique, and different. Um, that we're we we're licensed, but we're not ready to go public on it yet. But it's a it's a fun, cool, catchy. I almost call it a chashki type item that is could be this this coming year's silly band type of product. Um, it's fun and different. Um, not a lot of big investment, but it could be a lot of fun to the industry. So. That's the type of product we're looking for. Is that a new product category for you? Which one? Well, the tchotchke the, kind of the, fun the item, the product that you can talk that's about. The first, well, I would say it's the first one we're bringing to market. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about all the emails that I've received from the the people that you've, you've influenced and some of your students. And it's a lot of times you can, once you see that, that product, that concept, it, it hits, you know, it hits me. You know, I'm a product person. I've seen thousands upon thousands of ideas and products. And right away, if something catches me, it, it doesn't take long for then Anthony I to review it and say, how does this fit into our, our business? And then we reach out to the inventor and say, let's see if we can move forward with this because we like your concept. But, the, you know, then there's other concepts that we like and we say, you know, this is a good item, but we're just not ready to... Um, add this one to our mix because you know we're, we're not uh, a, a large company you know we're still I consider a startup company with um, an exorbitant amount of experience um, so it has to be the right item at the right time got it how about price range um, how what are your feelings with how you approach things with price range as far as the retail price range, mm -hmm. there has to be value there. So it has to make sense, you know, as far as like this Roto Brain, you know, we have the retail at $19.99. That's a strong price point for all the value that you get for this. Um, so that that's how I think about pricing. Uh, will a customer see it and say, not even think about the price because the product makes sense. Do you like, so you like doing products that it has the perceived value and at that, at the price point that it's selling at? It and, has uh, to have great perceived value and we have to build it right. On all our products we work on, we make sure that we put quality in over, I would call it almost over engineering it to make sure that there's more value in in this item that then people are paying for uh, so it's so it's not any particular price range it's just, it just has to have value at that price point so have good right. perceived value got it that's okay. correct and and i get most of the inventors aren't going to understand what price point they need to be at because there's so much costs involved in the developing the product um it's tough for an inventor to say Hey, this this 3D puzzle that I have a concept of, I think it could be a $20 retail. Well, maybe once it's fully flushed out, someone would know that. But until someone understands the cost of the molds, the cost of product development, the cost of, of shipping, you know, that's one thing I know we haven't really hit on that. But to ship stuff over from China right now, the, the freights have, have more than tripled. So wow. that costing <laughs> you aren't kidding wow um you know to ship and, and right now you know there's just so many nuances that as an inventor they shouldn't have to know this um as far as the challenges that um us companies have but the ports right now in la are backed up for three weeks right now 
they're so backed up that they're pushing uh, our ports in China to not allow the ships to even leave those ports yet because they're so backed up in LA. And we're having to reroute the ships. And that, that's going to be an interesting dynamic to this holiday season and how people can get their products through the, the ports itself. Hmm. Yeah. But I'll give you an example. A 45-foot container was about $1,600 uh, last year. It's $4,800 right now. Well, Philip, tell me, why is it backed up? What's happening? Well, what's happening is, is people held off on their orders due to COVID, and the factories were shut down for a period of time, and then the U.S. was shut down for a period of time. Now everyone's racing to get their products in here because the sales have really been strong in many different categories. And what is the, the largest, fastest port to get it here? And that's Los Angeles and Long, Long Beach. So everyone is using those ports. I see. Hey, Philip, let's talk a little bit about the submission process. What? How do you like to see a product come in? A sell sheet, is that fine? A, a prototype? What a good news is, is that I think I mentioned the uh, the the brain trust group while well, we're working on finalizing our corporate pay our corporate website and we'll actually have a section for the brain trust um people that are a part of our group to recognize them but we'll also have um a form and a place for them to uh submit their products to us for review because uh, i actually i have a submission form typically what's happening right now is people are sending me an email and then I'll say, here's the submission form. And it's about six different things that I like to understand what's in the, the inventor's head. They send me that, some images and, and a video. And then once we take, I take a look at it and we take a look at it, um, then we'll see if it goes to the next, to the next level or not. Um, and if it goes to the next level, then I contact the inventor and say, look, we, we think your idea is um, worthy enough for us to go to the next level of review. And then we'll see, uh, then we'll have a process behind that. And then if we get to the next phase, then, then it could, we could look to uh, bring it into our mix. So let's talk about that review process for just a minute so people really understand. Is it just you or do you bring in a manufacturing guy or a marketing person or is it you trust your gut? I mean, how do you, how do you go, for, how do you pick one? Well, the initial, the initial first review line of defense or the line of opportunity is me. Um, and, I, and it's my knowledge and expertise of the industry, the trends and what, the, what we're looking for. And then once it makes that first level of this is intriguing enough for us to take a deeper look at that. And that's where, you know, I have um, uh, Anthony and I review it. And then, we, you know, I have some other people that I share some concepts with if I think I need their, their input. Um, but primarily it's myself and Anthony saying this is going to make sense into our uh, company's overall vision, strategy, and opportunity to uh, go after it. Mm -hmm. So it's a really streamlined operation where, let's say, they have to submit it into a larger toy company. You know, you're going to have your first level manager, then you're going to have potentially uh, a product guy, and who knows how many other layers of opportunity before it gets a, a decision maker. When you send it to me, it's a decision maker. And if we if we like it, you know, like this last one, that's the, um, let's call it the impulse tchotchke uh, item, we move fairly quickly. If it's an item that, uh, you know, we're, that it didn't hit the right spot, it, you know what, it's going to take a little longer. And then another one right now we're going through engineering and development on. And, both this one that Chashki had, I think we're going to turn around and hopefully have um, by January because it's small enough that we can air freight it in because I think it's worth worthy of doing that. Um, this other one that we've been working on engineering on for about three months now, and we're still looking to have it in in March. Okay. Um, Philip, let's talk a little bit about... Um, it's, you're a small company, you're a startup, you guys are scrappy, you're doing a great job, you get back to people. That's really fantastic. But a lot of companies, a lot of inventors, they feel it's a black hole. They submit it and they don't hear anything back. Do you have any insights of why that's happening? 
Well, I'd say I'm guilty of that sometimes. Um, probably maybe some of you people, you know, it's it's just the nature of the beast. There's a lot of emails that come in, um, you know, and sometimes depending on the product, the concept, or the the thought that went into the email would determine the response. Um, to be quite candid, if it's I have a product, I have an idea, um, and it's in this category, do you take submissions? Well. We always will take submissions and, you know, I'll try to respond to that. Or if someone sends me an idea and I, um, and I see the thought behind it and the concept, and I think there's something really there, but it might be outside of, one of my categories. Because one of your students, I think, had a phenomenal idea um, that was probably in the spring that she sent it. And it was just outside of our category um, that I just didn't think we could we could really do it justice because, you know, I don't have that context with that industry. Um, you know, I respond and I say, this is what I thought it is. And I thought it was a great item. And, you know, this is how I would approach it. How do you have time to do that, Philip? Because that sounds. Uh, <laughs> um, that is a challenge. But um, with inventors that put the time in um, and the thought process behind it, um, okay. I try to make the time. And again, I, you know, I'm as guilty as anyone. I miss some and I don't respond quickly. But what I would say is, and I think I hit on this before the last time we chatted, Stephen, is that time is relative. So quick, what I mean by that is uh, the response time. So to the inventor that sends an email, you know, if, hey, I've, I've sent you an email four days ago. I haven't seen anything yet. Did you get it? I, I sent you an email twice an email in the past week. Did you get it? Well, that's not that's not helpful. Um, right, because and, and let, let me guess, they're not reattaching whatever you're supposed to look at, and you're supposed to now dig through your email to find the other emails. Well, it's just, just I can appreciate the push, but what they have to understand is the timing of all that I have, I or any other company has to do, and that's the daily. Unless, unless my entire job was to look at product submissions, with there are some companies that do that, but they're not a decision maker; they're just a filter. Um, you know, I'm driving product development on our side. I'm working on this, these container deals and working on, uh, um, the relationship with retailers so we can sell product expanding internationally. So there's a lot, there's a lot of complexity to what happens in any given day. So what I would say is give it, you know, when someone sends a submission, give it a couple of weeks. You know, okay. and if someone doesn't respond, then send a follow up and saying, look, I'm trying to achieve this. And, you know, persistence is important, but it's a matter of what level of persistence and understanding that. That's very good input. I want everybody that's listening tonight, please listen to that very carefully. Send it in. Give the person a little bit of time to review and look at it and they will get back to you. So, Phil, I want to talk about building a relationship with you. If if I'm an inventor and I'm really serious about toys and I send you an idea and it's it's done pretty well, I've got a little video, I've got a sell sheet, I send it to you, and maybe it's not a right fit. You get it, you say no. I come back in a couple other weeks with another one. And I keep on coming back to you because I'm investing in you. I'm investing in your product line. I want to create products for you. Does that how do you look at someone like that? Um, well, I would say a great example of that is Corey. So he had a large number of ideas and concepts and two of them resonated with me. And, um, understanding that person, understanding the thought process and being persistent, but communicated in, in the right way. Yeah, I can appreciate that. So, but what I what I would say is the challenge is for someone that's just throwing throwing things on the wall and hoping one of them will stick. That's the difference. So, there's a person that says, "I'm just gonna tr I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try this. Not put a lot of thought into it, and I'm just gonna keep on shooting various ideas that just hoping one of them will stick." Well, that. That doesn't help the person doing it, and it doesn't help me 
working with that person, but a person that has a true, di true passion, a true thought process and why they came up with the idea, a story behind how they came up with it. Hmm. Um, not every idea is going to work. One in 10 gets, you know, is successful and less than that is even, you know, you know, that's one in 10 successful. That's just being developed. And then less than that, less than one in 10 even make it to market and less than that is even successful. So it's a challenging industry for sure. Okay. Let's talk about and that. Then, story and for then, just and what inventors have to think about is the category they're going after. Okay. Who plays, in, you know, there's so many different nuances, the categories, the um, who, who plays in that space, how, how large are the key um, toy manufacturers presence in that space that makes it challenging as well so there's so many nuances and factors when um not only developing the product but thinking how well that can do in the industry you you mentioned a couple times how important the story is could you please dive in a little deeper about that story and why why that resonates with you and how does someone present that story to you um well, and that's one of the things that's actually on my submission form. How'd you come up with the idea? Okay. Uh, and the story is, I'll give you an example. So one of our best stories is of, of Anthony's item that he came up with and beanbag buckets. And that was an item. If anyone's ever um, seen the video or been out, it's on our website and so on. But Anthony was at the Jersey Shore with his kids and they were looking for something to do and you know how kids are they just were looking for something to do besides just playing in the water so all of a sudden anthony put a stick in the sand got some seashells put some seashells on the stick and started tossing them at the stick and next thing you know they were playing that for hours they're sitting and they have pictures of this so we have the original pictures of the a very original beanbag buckets idea from that idea he went home and he and he still has every single concept just about and you know we're bringing that to our website soon to share the story but he tried all these different iterations with plastic cups and poles and different balls and bags and all these different things and it took him you know let's call it three years to get to a level before i saw it and the persistence behind that the 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 vision that someone can see and feel as any father with your kids on the beach looking for something to do but he was creative enough to come up with some kind of idea that also that all of a sudden became um not only what it is today but a vision for bringing people together and creating lasting memories so all that together is a symbol of not only the product but our company so those are the type of stories that resonate and then if you think about stories the thing about Corey's idea, I don't know if he's ever shared this with you, um, with Roto Brain, but you know, he was having some challenging times. He comes up with all these ideas and he has it, you know, he's hit the wall like many inventors, not getting his ideas brought to life. And next thing you know, he had a dream that, uh, you know, I, I, he tells it better than I do, but he had a dream that God brought this idea this vision this toy that's going to be this great generational type product and he woke up in the morning he drew it out and that was the first concept of rotobrain hmm. you know it's a great story it's just you know he's down you know it's, it's it's someone and people can feel that and see that you know when you're down on your luck or you're challenged hmm. you, you know you, you have faith you bring you're trying to come up with an idea and next thing you know bam there's something and he drew it, and now I drew it. He, he he tried to build it and bring it to life. And next thing you know, he connected with me, and we are bringing it. We brought it to life. Well, so th those are the type of inspirational stories that are, I think, are phenomenal. That, but you know, how do I how do I tell you that story though? When I'm I'm submitting an idea, I, I give you a sell sheet, maybe a little video. Then do I write the story, or do you want to hear the story after I show you my product? Well, well, you know, the stories that I told you are a, a much larger conversation. It's, you're not going to get that in the first submission. So what I would say is in the first submission, just kind of give a, a high-level overview of how you came up with the idea and the concept. If the concept we see goes to the next level, the story will help fill that in then. 
if that makes sense. Like if we get to a point where we're really considering this product and, you know, one of the other outdoor game that we're bringing to life um, for next spring, I, I like the item. So I, I set up a call and talked to the inventor, you know, and that was at the second or third um, review process. We had a great chat and he told me how he came up with the idea and that added to the, the greatness of this product. Okay. So the product has to be great. If the okay. product is great, the story can make it even better. If the product is not great, no matter how great the story is, it makes it, it you know, product, I think we we're talking about this earlier, product is king. The story adds to the product, but the story is not going to make the product better. If okay. That, okay. Yep. That's good. Very good. So what type of uh, patents or intellectual property do you like to see? That inventors or do you or do you care? Uh, at the end of the day, if a if an item has a great name and it's trademarked, I think that adds value. And because it's fairly inexpensive, and it, no one's no one can copy your name once you trademark it, right? You, that's the name of the product. As far as a patent, um. It doesn't, it doesn't have to have a patent. And if we look at the item and at the end of the day, we say, you know what, like Rotobrain, we went after the patent with, um, we said, Corey, we need to get a patent on this because he didn't have one. Because this, this one, again, I think it's generational. There's so many nuances to it and it's important we do that. But um, other products, I would say it's not necessary because the cost and expense to add a patent and then to fight the patent makes it very challenging. Now, if your now, product has, what's that? I'm watching Shark Tank on Friday night and all they're telling us is that we need a patent and you're saying it doesn't matter? <laughs> well, it depends on the product. So if you have um, an item that's, uh, let's call it uh, something unique and different, but on trend, and it's gonna be on trend for a year or two, do you want to spend $20,000 on a patent or do you want to bring it to market fast and try to sell through it? Because at the end of the day, unless that patent is 100% buttoned up and you're spending probably more than $20,000 on that, yeah. um, people are going to try to find a way to copy it. Mm -hmm. Look at all the great items out there that people have tried to copy. Look, um, you can name any item and we, you know, we have a patent on beanbag buckets. People have found a way to try to make a, a very, very bad version of it, but people try to find a way if an item is good enough. So, and then you have to fight somebody, you know, so it's a, it's interesting that people say spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 when a lot of ventures don't have that, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense all the time. Sometimes it does. I would all say that. And mm -hmm. I would be very honest and transparent to say, you know what, this item we need, like with Rotobrain, we need to get a patent on this other item that um, this, this uh, let's call it band type item, that's a, let's call it in the um, Chosky type item. I specifically told the venture, I said, we should not get a patent on this. This is going to be an item that's going to come in. It's going to go quick. We're going to be on trend because we're going to have the trademark name. Like, let's call it like, you know, Silly Band had the great name, right? People kept, that was the name that everybody wanted. So it has to be evaluated properly, not just go off and it takes years to get it and then if someone gets it we all know how much it costs to get a um, a lawyer especially a patent lawyer to fight for you to make sure you secure those rights philip can i talk to you about the trademark for a second we we teach our invent rights students that the common law trademark just putting a tm and a circle around it kind of showing the licensee the potential licensee that you intend to use it is enough because a lot of times they'll change it. So are you okay with people just putting the name up, putting the TM circle around it because it doesn't cost them anything. They don't need to spend all that money on the registered trademark. And then if you show interest and you like the name, then the inventor can get the trademark. Yes. Wouldn't that be a way to save them a lot of money? And Well, they don't even have to put TM on it. You know, they can, for you. Yeah. it's fine. Um, Cause if I see a TM on, TM on it, that means I think they got trademark on it. Um, but to your point, Andrew, I think it's a good one. Um, sometimes the, the name on the product that's presented that does not end up being the name on the product 
that we sell. So that's a great point. And if it does, and we think the name's strong enough, um, you know, that that's something that we would have conversations about for sure. Right. So like Corey showed you a bunch of products and if he showed you 12 products and he spent the money on a trademark and all 12 products, that probably wouldn't be money well spent or necessary. That's correct. Okay. That's, I agree 100%. Got it. Good uh, I think you talked about this, but we had some additional questions about it. Didn't you mention a couple weeks, but I guess there's a more a longer review process. There's well, there, there's that, multiple you know. facets of the review process. The first review is myself just saying, is this product um, hit the right steps, hit the right audience um, as part of our, let's call it vision of uh, bringing people together, creating memories or um, in that concept. So once, so I would say the entire process could take up to at least a month for us to formalize and say, yeah, we're ready to move forward. Now, it could be quicker if it's something that I say, wow, this is a, this is something really special. I get on the phone with the inventor and it could happen in, in a week if it's that good of an item, or it could take more than a month. Um, so it varies depending on um, really the product at the end of the day and, and the time of the year. It, you know, if it's, it's, if it's the end of the quarter, end of the year, when we're going through all our financials or if it's during um holiday season when we're under the gun with various marketing achievements and ideas um so it's all also predicated on the time of the year so yeah it's 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 very fluid <laughs> to be quite candid so uh, philip tell us about trade shows okay they're not coming back for a little while so how is that going to impact you that's a great question um what I would say is, you know, trade shows are good in a way for us because it helps us get in front of people that we normally don't get in front of. Um, so it just puts more challenges on us to utilize my network of sales guys to um, get in front of people. But in, in some ways, it's actually opened some doors because people are more available now than they've ever been. Uh, you know, the buyers and so on, because many of them are working from home still. Some aren't, but many of them are. And so the opportunities to get more time with them on a Zoom call or something does open those doors. Okay. And, it, and as we're building more and more products and more brands, um, getting more recognition, more marketing efforts, we're, we're getting continually getting more doors open to us, which is, is a good thing. This is our last question for you here. And then we got about six people. I want to get to their questions. We can kind of do a rapid fire. But what, what can we do as inventors to do a better job of submitting products to you? What, what are some of the mistakes you see inventors making? I think you covered some of them, but if you could kind of summarize how we can do better. Be thoughtful in the vision of the product. Um, going back to the um what is what is an inventor's ultimate goal with their idea besides to um either produce it and make money because that you know i understand that's everyone's goal but what what's beyond that um what do they want to do with the item how do they how do they see it coming together who's their audience that they're speaking to um those are some of the key components that i think about um that for an individual item is I understand they can't see that this is going to be the next generational type item, but who, who are they, who are they trying to bring this product to and share it with? Um, who's going to enjoy it? Is it, um, that's important. And what do they want from it? Good. That makes sense. So yeah, those, makes those are a little broad, um, thought provoking statements. You know, it's not a it's not a sequence of do one, two, three, four, five steps, which I think you guys do well in communicating. So I thought about thinking about the the broader thought process is how I thought about it. Let's see. Well, let, let's jump. We can kind of rapid fire these. Let me click on this first one from Vic. Um, aside from having a great idea, what can an inventor do to set themselves apart from the rest of the crowd? I thought that was an interesting question. 
I'm, the pause is I'm thinking through. It's a good, it's a, it is a good question. So is it, I'm gonna try to think about this in a step of set themselves apart in a product submission or set themselves apart. That's, I, I guess that's how I gotta think about this. Um, what I would say is in their initial outreach. And so once they, let's say, once they complete this uh, um, submission form, it's going back to kind of the, the couple, three points that I hit on was, here's my vision of, of what this, what I want to do with this idea. Here's what I'm looking for in a, in a broad sense, because I understand they can't understand all the nuances of what they're truly wanting to do, but that's one, one aspect of it. And then here's the people I think that this could, this, this, that would enjoy this, this item. And then have they done, really, I'd like to know, have they done research? You know, it's really in today's world, it's easy to do research. And what I mean by that is what, so let's say if they, um, uh, I'll, I'll use a different category. Let's say this is uh, in the, the indoor sports category, in, in the, the toy category, indoor sports. And that's like Nerf and, and those kind of, that category. It's very easy to go out, walk a store. It's very easy to go onto Amazon and see, okay, is there a product like this? Is it similar but different, or is it just similar? You know, how does how does it add value to this category? And by knowing knowing a little bit of that, they don't need to know all that, but a little bit about that, not only educates themselves, but it gives me an idea of, okay, here's the vision. Here's I've done some research as the inventor of this is this is what I see out there. I'm looking to work with someone that could bring this to life. And here's my idea. Um, because anyone that has an idea, doing the research is important. Understanding what they're trying to sell, understanding the industry they're going in, because this is their idea. This is their, let's call it baby that they want. Um, they think is the, the, something very special. Otherwise, they wouldn't take the time to do it. So take the time to do that background research of the products in that category and how this would fit into that. Next up's from Daniel. Daniel said, uh, what are your feelings about including the inventor's name or picture on, on the packaging? Um, I, I guess at the end of the day, I don't know the, the customer that's relevant for the customer, right? If I think about the packaging, you go to any, any one shelf, they have three to five seconds to catch their attention. Um, so I guess it depends on what the product is and the concept. There used to be a company out there, I think it was called, uh, was it Quirky? I think the name of the company was that had inventors and they put their products, something like that. But what we're doing is to recognize the inventors on our website. Again, we're going to have a tab. It's called Brain Trust. We're going to have the picture of the inventor like you have with Corey and his product. We're going to have his ideas and his products and a little bit about his story. We think that it adds value there. And um, it's going to be part of our marketing and our concept around that. But on the product itself, on the shelf, um, it's important to understand what the customer is looking for and why it would be there. Next one's from Jeff. Uh, do you obtain licenses from Marvel or DC Comics if necessary? I, we haven't done that. Um, I know many people from the industry that work in Disney that license Nickelodeon and, and so on. Um, we haven't done that. And that's a great question because if you look at the toy industry, <laughs> a large majority of it is licensed. Um, but once you slap a license on it, I look at it as a short life. Um, the only one, many times when it comes to an item, the only time an item who wins from the license is the licensor. That's the brand itself because the brand drives it and the item doesn't last as long. If, it, if it's an item worth anything, uh, it'll stand on its own. Jeremy is asking, um are you okay with receiving multiple prototypes? So I'll add to his question. I'm I'm assuming you would you would definitely want some sort of sell sheet or video or something uh, before you got a prototype, but maybe not. So what Jeremy's asking, 
he wants to send you multiple prototypes. Can you give him some perspective on what you would like? When you say prototypes, are you talking about the physical item or prototypes in an email? I, I think he's talking about physical prototype, yeah. Well, as long as these items have, again, thought process behind it. Um, you know, it goes back to, what was his name? Uh, Jeremy. So Jeremy, I would say, if you have well thought out processes behind, here's the item, here's the category, this is what I see the value is, you know, send multiple items. You know, I would like them to be separated by separate emails because then I can make sure I um, spend the time on each of them um, in, the, in that way. But uh, what I, I would say is I'm not saying that uh, anyone does, actually I've received many of um, emails like this and says, here's a whole bunch of items, tell me which one could be great. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for the, the well thought out process behind each one of these and this is why I'm sending them to you. Right, good good feedback. So this is the very last one from Daniel. Um, when I send a product idea to you, do you assume that I'm sending it to other companies at the same time? I thought that was an interesting question. Um, actually, it's not even in my thought process. Um, I would say an inventor, I would expect them to be looking for different ideas and concepts. And if I think it's worthy enough um, to to not only pursue, but go after it and and if the inventor thinks that I'm the right person for this, or Anthony and I are the right company, Creative Brain is the right company that fits into their um, product vision, that's great. But uh, it's not even really part of my thought process in the beginning. Got it, got it. Steven, did you have anything you wanna say in closing? I think we're gonna wrap up here. No, I think this is wonderful, and I'm so pleased that Philip came on again to talk about what he's looking for in the process of his company, I think he's spot on with the intellectual property perspective, and it depends on how long the lifespan is going to be on a, a product. And and uh, some of them have a short lifespan, some have a little bit, potentially a longer lifespan. So I, I'm glad he was very, he talked a little bit about that. I love that he also talked about trademarks. If you've got a great name, that could be important, um, but realize the name will probably change and that it, it could be very expensive if you trademarked every name that you came up with. So oh, yeah. be frugal, be frugal. Um, right. I, I think um, I think he's really onto something because I like that he gets back to the, the people quickly and he's small and quick and agile and he's doing all the things that I think uh, us inventors really appreciate. The, the larger companies, they're a little cumbersome. They're a little slow to get back to you. It feels like a black hole, but uh, not at uh, Creative Brainworks. And I can thank, I cannot thank you enough, Philip, for that. Well, sure, Stephen and Andrew, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on there, um, sharing our, our, our vision. Um, as your uh, students and and followers send us ideas. We are diligent. We try to respond to everybody as possible. And again, I apologize for the ones that I may have missed or I, or I might miss, but if the product does stand out and uh, the vision is there, um, there's always an opportunity. Philip, speaking of that, we got a bunch of people, of course, asking how they can submit. You had mentioned to me, you had a particular email you thought you might want to use. Do you want to give that out? I can also put it in the chat so everybody can read it. Um, sure. So it, uh, how do you want people to submit? They, you can first they can reach out to me via email and I can send them a form until our website is up. And then once our web, our corporate website, so that's been down right now because of um, we're updating that. But for temporarily right now, they can send an email to get a submission form to info, i n f o at Roto, R-O-T-O hyphen brain, B-R-A-I-N dot com. And I put that into the chat. So if you find the chat box, you should be able to see it in there too. But it's info at roto hyphen or dash, whatever you want to call it, brain dot com. Right. So. And then what I would say is, is put in the heading product submissions or inventor product submissions or uh, let, let, let's change that. Let's call it 
um, brain trust product submissions. So they're trying to, you know, these inventors are trying to be part of this brain trust group that we're really developing and, and championing. So brain trust product and, um, submissions. And then once you send that, uh, if, if someone can give me um, maybe a brief overview of the item, just say I have uh, what category the item is in and then request a, a submission form, I will send them back or we'll have um, someone send them back a submission form and it's about six questions. You know, they can fill it out, kind of overview of the item, that's a story and, and a few other basic questions. Then send that in with um, any type of pictures, imagery, um, drawings and or videos. And uh, um, that'll start the process. Right. Steven, uh, Philip sounds very inventor friendly. He is. And I really appreciate yeah. that very, very much. Philip, thank you very much. And thank you. We are very excited about your um, your company and your attitude and the new products. I think you've got some hits there. So congratulations. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you, um, you know, really champion Corey and uh um his his product is phenomenal so hopefully um the other inventors will will take a look at it go to that go to our website of rotobrain and uh support cory um with his idea and um hopefully they'll enjoy it as well cool all right everybody remind you to take care keep inventing and we'll catch you with you next time good night good night everybody Bye.